I'm Mark Yanielski. Welcome to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm an economist and the author of the award-winning book, The Economics of Happiness, Building Genuine Wealth and Happiness. And my new book, An Economy of Wellbeing, Common Sense Tools for Building Genuine Wealth and Happiness. I believe that well-being and happiness should become the ultimate bottom line of our lives, businesses, and economies. In these podcasts, you'll learn what you can do in your personal life, business, and communities to incorporate well-being into all decisions. You will meet many of my special guests who will share with us their practical experiences in trying to bring well-being and happiness into the world of government, public policy, banking, impact investment, First Nations self-determination, and even personal development. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, my name is Mark Anielski. I'm the author of An Economy of Well-Being, Common Sense Tools for Building Genuine Wealth and Happiness, and the award-winning author of The Economics of Happiness, which I wrote 10 years ago. In this book, An Economy of Well-Being, I explore how we currently face enormous challenges, financial, environmental, political, in a time of such upheaval. We need a new model that explores what I would call a more common-sense economic approach to building enduring lives of well-being and happiness. In this podcast, we explore the idea of well-being by design. How can well-being be incorporated into design and building aspects of our architecture and our workplaces? In my book, I explore this idea called well-being by design. I'm going to read a a bit from my book today to introduce you to some of the concepts. I'm a practitioner, a practical guy that's trying to celebrate the fact that well-being, I think, can be measured and incorporated into everything we do, whether it's in the workplace, your personal life, even in the banking world. So let's begin. Well-being by design in the chapter called The Well-Being Workplace. An intriguing aspect of the well-being economy would be the application to architecture, design, and building. What if buildings, schools, neighborhoods, and entire cities were integrated with well-being aspects, were designed and built with well-being impacts in mind? I've tested this concept with colleagues who are in architecture, design, and construction. As some note, attributing well-being impacts to design may be difficult, given there are many confounding variables. One of the interesting people I've come to know through the Netflix series called Abstract is a architect and designer, Ilse Crawford, who is based in London. Ilse is the founder of the Man and Well-Being Department at Design Academy Eindhoven in the Netherlands. She also has a studio in London, and you can find her on the on YouTube. In the series, Crawford talks about designing a building that is explicitly oriented towards orchestrating feelings of well-being of the occupants. She believes that well-being is now beginning to permeate design schools that are realizing the importance of people and their aspirations for a quality of life and happiness. 
which she believes should come first. Crawford is keenly attuned to both how design, quality affects well-being, but also how well-being becomes part of our everyday life and is a basis of design. Crawford believes in making the ordinary extraordinary. As she states, I really do want well-being, the sense of physical and emotional health, to affect as many people as possible, and she hopes this becomes contagious. I believe Crawford's attempt to link design and well-being is of great importance to the world of architecture and design. Many of us can remember walking into a building or a neighborhood and experiencing feelings of ease, comfort, and even joy. What is it about the design of a space that elicits these feelings of well-being? Can buildings be intentionally designed to optimize experiences of well-being by their occupants? Will the current new sustainable building standards, which include LEED certification, and a new standard called IPD, Integrated Project Delivery, become the next step towards well-being by design. Design based on well-being impacts will require new tools, new ways of measuring well-being impacts, if you like, a new well-being measuring tape to provide both objective skills to designers with well-being impacts in mind. These new standards for building design with well-being impacts could be similar to LEED building standards for green buildings, homes, and neighborhoods. For example, Ilse Crawford has worked for IKEA looking at design attributes to make things and life better for families, helping IKEA design products that are both sustainable and something people love. Crawford strives to infuse design in both the visible and the physical sense with what she calls emotional values. She's more focused on life than on style. As she says, quote, when I look at making spaces, I don't just look at the visual. I'm much more interested in the sensory thing, in thinking about it from the human context, the primal perspective, the thing that touches you, end of quote. Whether the building is a new school, a hospital, a senior's home, or a family home, well-being attributes can be incorporated into the design features. An audit of the well-being impacts of design can be conducted on those who then work or occupy the future space by asking simple questions about their experience or feelings about the workplace or workspace, the building, and other features of the interior, interior space that would attribute to their feelings of well-being. I believe that paying attention to well-being attributes of space has a direct positive impact on the mental, physical, emotional, and even spiritual well-being of occupants. These impacts can be measured in subjective terms by inquiring into the lived experience of the tenants or occupants. The features of the design can be directly attributed to a subjective or cognitive well-being impact, measured through surveys and other means of engaging people in their experiential uh, experience. Some of these ideas were championed in the early 70s by architect Christopher Alexander in his important work called A Pattern Language, written in 1977. In this book, Alexander examined over 253 patterns in design and saw that when taken together they formed a language. Alexander viewed these patterns as a problem that 
could be solved, giving ordinary people a way to work with their neighbors to improve a town or neighborhood, design a house for themselves, or work with colleagues to design an office, workshop, or public building. At the core of Alexander's proposal was the idea that people should design their own homes, streets, and communities. This idea comes from the observation that most of the wonderful places of the world were not made by architects, but by people. What are some examples of what I see emerging in the construction world? Well, here in Edmonton, where I live, Tom Reddle, CEO of Shandos Construction, a medium-sized construction firm and growing significantly, has been pioneering a new corporate culture based on a cooperative employee ownership model with shared responsibility, risk, and financial benefits. The result has been a steady growth in construction projects, a highly functional team, happy employees, and high client satisfaction. Shandos' mission is bold. It states, to be the most innovative and progressive contractor in Canada, our team aspires to identify and deliver value better than all others. We quite simply believe that we build better together. While the other guys worry about their pieces of the pie, we work on making the pie bigger so that everyone can have a piece. Thomas Champion the adoption of the IPD or Integrated Project Delivery Model for Shandos and now challenges his peers in the construction world across Canada to do the same. What IPD does is it brings more order, lower project costs and online on-budget benefits to the construction industry. IPD is unique as it brings together all of the key players in a project from the architect, client, designer, building engineers, and subcontracts and trades at the beginning of the project and working throughout the project delivery. IPD is a collaboration or an alliance of people, systems, and business structures. Imagine working closely together achieves greater efficiencies. Not surprised to me. The benefits of this is that it optimizes project results, it increases the value to the owner, it reduces waste, and it actually ends up costing less than conventional projects. IPD is based on the Toyota production system, which was pioneered in the 1970s, and computer technology advances, advances with the integrated project delivery method focused on the final value created for the owner. Tom and I have been in discussions about new projects and how they might incorporate well-being attributes and impacts into future Shandles construction work. I've suggested to Tom that well-being impacts can be measured both objectively and subjectively. We have now the emergence of well building standards coming out of California. Well effectively means the well-being aspects of a design of buildings. These are good criterion in terms of a checklist of objective measures. But I think we can go a little further by actually measuring the lived experience, the subjective experience of people who now live and work in these buildings. If you go home at night feeling renewed and refreshed because of the building design, that is a positive attribution and impact that can be measured. It is a subjective response to a question about happiness. This is how these ideas of well-being by design can be incorporated into our world, into the design world and the building world. Thank you for joining me in this podcast. Uh, I will be inviting other guests 
onto the podcast, into the show, to talk about what they're doing in their respective fields, whether it's architecture or building. And hopefully you'll feel inspired and come up, come away with some of your own excellent ideas. Feel free to contact me at any time, mark at anielski.com, to um, discuss any of the things that I've talked about in my podcast or that you find on my website, aneconomyofwellbeing.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about my work and my book, An Economy of Wellbeing, and my previous book, The Economics of Happiness, by visiting my website, economyofwellbeing.com. That's economyofwellbeing.com. You can also purchase my books through Amazon or from your favorite local bookstore. I hope you have a great day.